Yo, 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 what's up? What's up? Welcome to the Outlet Forum podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. It's your boy, Chaz Pearson. What's good, Chris? What up? What up, Chaz? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great, bro. But of course, there's so much going on right now in the NBA and in the sports world. What is going to happen with LeBron's extension? It is now officially extension week for LeBron. And who's most likely to take on the Russell Westbrook contract? We got your social media posts of the week. But of course, Chris, we, we got to start off the show um, on a bit of a somber note. Um, but it, it's, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of the great life and the great career and the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Bill Russell, who has gone on and passed uh, this past Sunday. Uh, he was 88 years old. He passed peacefully um, in his home with his wife and his daughter in a statement that was released over the weekend and Bill Russell, who was an 11 time NBA champion, a 12 time NBA all-star, a five time NBA MVP, a pioneer, an activist, a a beacon of light of of hope for not only African-Americans, especially, but people of all color um, within America in the late fifties, early sixties, and at the height of the civil rights movement. Um, This is a man who has been a pillar of the league that has the NBA Finals MVP trophy named after him, where he's been able to pass that trophy along to so many greats, including LeBron, Kobe, Durant, Steph Curry, just to name a few, Kawhi Leonard, Bill Russell, his impact is going to be felt for not only this generation and obviously the generations that came before us, but generations that are going to come after us because he was that great of a man and for me chris not only what he did as a player very rarely does what you do off the court and as a man and the integrity that you have and how you carry yourself from birth until death overshadow the fact that you are one of the greatest basketball players to ever walk the face of the planet and you haven't even played in over 50 years that's how great you were and you're still universally recognized as that for what he did at the summit with who then was Lou Alcindor and Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali when Muhammad Ali took his stand and did not want to be drafted into the army uh, during the time of Vietnam to the 1964 strike at the all-star game that nobody really talks about him, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain, you know, they threatened strike right before the all-star game. They eventually played that game because ABC money, Um, They were actually broadcasting the game for the first time, but Bill Russell's legacy and what he's been able to do and that carries on is just he we lost a legend and Mm. more than anything, I just feel that his legacy is going to to continue to reverberate throughout history. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that he received the Medal of Freedom by President Obama in 2011, among many of his other feats as well. Chris, what do you think of Bill Russell as far as his passing, the legacy that he's been able to live on or leave and how it's going to live on and what's your take on Bill Russell passing now? 
I think this is one of the rare times, Chaz, that a couple of LA guys, a couple of lifelong Laker fans are actually going to celebrate a Celtic. But he wasn't just a Celtic. He was the Boston Celtic. He did so many things. You talked about trail, a, a trailblazer. The epitome of a trailblazer was Bill Russell. You talk about somebody who broke through barriers in the NBA. You know, the one thing we never give enough credit to Bill Russell for that we seem to heap a lot of praise to Jackie Robinson on. Jackie Robinson obviously broke the color barrier in MLB in 1947. Bill Russell did it for basically the NBA, along with others, of course, like Oscar Robertson. And maybe you could make the case for Willis Reed as well. These were men who had to deal, despite their success, despite everyone recognizing their talent, they had to deal with a lot of racial strife, including in their home cities. You know, it couldn't have been easy for Bill Russell to go from San Francisco, where he played his college ball, went 57-1, and won, won two national titles, to now go into Boston, a city that for a long time and still to this day, accused of being racist toward African-American athletes both uh, from their, their home teams and, of course, fr- from visiting teams. And he overcame a lot of that and still transcended the game. He changed the game. I mean, I don't remember many elite big men, with the exception of George Mikan, who were that skilled. And Bill Russell came into a game as a black man having to deal with racism, prejudice, hate, anger, people threatening him. I mean, obviously that story is infamous about how somebody broke into his house, bashed up his trophies, wrecked his belongings and defecated in him and his wife's bed. I mean, wrote wrote the N word all over the, yeah. I wrote the N word too. There was, I think a burning cross left, left on the, on the, his daughter tells that story. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about dealing with all of that and then still having to be the best basketball player on the court leading the Celtics to 11 championships in 13 years, including eight straight titles. I don't know anybody outside of maybe like a Jackie Robinson who had to deal with that type of situation. I mean, vitriol. Yeah, vitriol. But I'm just saying, like, you talk about a burden, a heavy burden. And the way Michael Wilbon described it, I think was perfect, that all he was trying to do was get from day to day, get through one particular day and move on to the next one, go out and try to win. That's all he wanted to do. And, and that he was just truly a, a special human being. You talk about the Cleveland summit in 67 with Lou Alcindor, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, Willie Davis from the green Bay Packers. I mean, that's still a historical moment. And what, what was he trying to do? He was fighting for civil rights. He was, he was fighting for the end of segregation. I mean, because he grew up in the South as well. So what he wanted to do was build a path that others can follow. And to be quite honest, Chaz, that is why he is one of the few players in not just the history of the NBA, but in sports where his spirit, his legacy, everything he stood for continues to resonate to the generations that succeed him. Because like you said, he hasn't played in over 50 years. And yet people still talk about him with such uh, reverence. And it's just, it's not surprising because of what he meant to the game that, like I said, outside of a Jackie Robinson, no one else was really at that level. One of the main things that really sticks out to me is the fact that number one, Bill Russell was the first, you know, black player really to integrate the league 
um, that was a superstar, you know, that was that big of a star. Um, and the fact that he was the first black coach as well, he's the only player person to go in as a player and a coach mm-hmm. in 1975 as a player and 2021 as a coach. I mean, mm-hmm. and just, I, I'm listening to different interviews and, you know, when something like this happens, like you get a flood of just anecdotes and stories and, and videos that you, you know, wouldn't see otherwise. And what stood out to me was two interviews, one interview, not even an interview. Um, well, one interview he did with KG and one conversation he had with Kobe mm-hmm. at the 2008 All-Star game. And in both of those conversations that he had with, with KG and Kobe Bryant, he both told them, I couldn't be more prouder than you if you were my own son. And for guys like that, that, that love the game, that are historians of the game, such as I, mm-hmm. that played the game, not me, but them, Kobe and KG, mm-hmm. and to have Bill Russell say that to them, I know that that motivated them and that fueled them. And that just, I mean, you, you talk about Bill Russell, one of the greatest winners of all. In 1980, he was voted as the Sports Riders of America as the greatest champion of all time. Someone call him the greatest winner in North American sports history. No, doubt no one's about ever it. going to do what he's done in terms of winning eight in a row at one point, 11 total championships, two of them being pl- as player coach, the 1969 championship against our Lakers, mm. where he, where the balloons were up in the rafters and it was game seven in the form. And, you know, it the Celtics spoiled it, especially with Tommy Heinsohn having that lucky ass shot from the top of the key that hit the back of the rim and bounced all the way up. I wasn't even born. This was 20 years before I was born because, but because the game is, is real and it's history. I, you know, we know these things. So if you know what I'm talking about, you, when I'm describing that, that's something visual that, you you know, it's just a a play that is embedded in history, kind of like magic's junior, junior Skyhook or, you know, Jordan's, you know, shot over Elo, like there's just different stuff. So I could go on and on about Bill Russell in the game and what he meant for the newer generations. um, That's what sticks out most to me because of how he was able to pass the torch and have that respect even after Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, Steph, KD, generation after generation. So RIP, RIP Bill Russell, man. And and we'll never forget your legacy. And um, he's going to continue to live on, especially the battles that he had with Will. We haven't even gotten into that yet. No, no. And, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned Kobe Bryant. You know, Chaz, what I did, I was, uh, I woke up Sunday morning and I saw that he had passed away. You know what the first thing I did was I looked up on YouTube, the 2009 Lakers championship trophy presentation, because that was the first year they named the finals MVP after Bill Russell. And I, and I'm watching that. I'm watching Bill up on that stage passing it on to Kobe. And I'm looking at that because it's Stuart Scott, a longtime ESPN anchor, did a lot of NBA coverage. He announces David Stern is going to present the award. David Stern, longtime NBA commissioner, really helped elevate the NBA, put it, making it a global game. And then he uh, announces Kobe's name and it's Russell that gives it to Kobe. And I say to myself, Chaz, there's four legends on that stage, each for a different reason no longer here. And I, and no I was, and I was sitting next to my girlfriend and uh, who's not a big hoops fan, but I, I was telling her like, man, this is really the end of an era right there. I mean, it's, you're talking about a great in the modern time in Kobe who maybe isn't here. Had it not been for bill Russell, you talk about David Stern who made the NBA really one of the most popular sports in America, you know, battling with the NFL. And then of course you have Stuart Scott, 
who brought a, you know, he, he just brought such a flair, such a charisma to the sports anchoring business. And uh, I mean, there will never be anybody like those four that shared the stage together. And it's hard to believe that was 13 years ago. It's hard to believe in 13 years, all four of them are gone and it just, it just doesn't feel right. And the other thing I wanted to point out was Russell's personality. He really resonated well because he was real. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't super standoffish. He was still competitive. Remember on stage during the NBA awards in 2019, he's up on stage with Alonzo Mourning, Shaq, David Robinson, Dikembe Mutombo, uh, and I think Kareem. And, and he points to him like you're doing, points to all, all five. He's like, I would kick your ass. And he's holding the cane. And, and everybody's laughing. Man. Oh, my gosh. Everyone was laughing. He flipped up Barkley, flipped off Barkley, I think, in the same show. So even up until his later years, when obviously he was slowing down physically, he was still sharp in mind. And that competitive drive that basically made him a legend and, and was, I thought, the tone setter of all those championships that the Celtics won much to the chagrin of Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, and the, and the Lakers of the 60s, it was still there. After all those years, it's like, yeah, I understand you guys are all big and bad, but just don't forget who the original was. And if I was in my prime and I faced you guys, I would take all five of you down. <laughs> yeah, mean, because but that was Russell, though. That's what his, made him so great. It wasn't just his game. It was his personality, too, that I think also should be acknowledged. A lot of people have talked about his laugh, his cackle, his, you know, the certain distinct features about him, how he just kept it real, um, how he how he didn't sign autographs, how he would want to give you a, a handshake and a, and a smile, how he said that he played for the Celtics, not Boston. Yeah. Um, you know, just there's certain things that his competitive nature, um, the, the, they changed the lane because he used to block shots at such a, a crazy rate back in 1957 i think it was yeah. um it's just it's just he was a, another pioneer the pioneer of the block shot i'm glad you brought it's that all, up too it's literally i'm i'm getting a little choked up i've never met the man but what he's done for the game that we love and the reason why we're even on this podcast right now in the first place basketball he created certain things and did certain things that you know no man um, is ever going to do again. So with that being said, we tip our cap to Bill Russell. Thank you for rocking that KB hat, that Laker jersey when when our boy Kobe was gone. Much respect because it was about the game and not the different rivalries or the franchises or anything like that. He just respected the game at such a high clip. So we tip our hat to Bill Russell and, you know, rest in peace, legend. Um, speaking of legends, there's another legend that is currently still playing, but that's going by the name of, uh, that goes by the name of LeBron James, that is going to be extension eligible this week on Thursday, August 4th. It is the first day that LeBron is able to sign an extension. Um, Mark Stein has reported that there's different options that LeBron James has as of August 4th. Brian Windhorst is throwing it out there that the Cleveland Cavaliers are positioning themselves to have enough cap space at the end of this season or this next upcoming season. So in case LeBron somehow wants to come back home to Cleveland and finish his career, he absolutely can. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and put that to an absolute jolt and a stop right now, because as we're recording this podcast, a few earlier before hours before LeBron James was in the Lakers facility with not only Bronny, but Bryce James, his two sons, his youngest of which is now six, six, 
Mm. Ronnie is 6'3". They both going through drills and, and dunking. I don't think the Lakers have much concern at all when it comes to an extension being signed by LeBron James. I think personally he's actually going to sign a one-plus-one deal, a two-year deal with a, with a second-year option, total worth of $97.6 million, and he's going to stay in L.A. He loves L.A. I think LeBron James is here to stay and will continue to finish his career as a Laker. Chris, what's your take on LeBron James' options when it comes to the extension, and how much longer do you think he's going to be in a Laker jersey? Well, he's about to go into season, excuse me. He's about to go into year 20 now and still playing at a high level and doesn't really look like he's going to be slowing down. And the fact that he's in the Laker facility with his two sons, I guess that's a good sign. Um, I could see, I could see both reasons why he wouldn't want to sign why he would, why you don't sign is to keep the pressure on the Laker organization to basically say to Palenka, to Jeannie, to anybody in the front office, Hey, uh, what are we doing here? Are we going to get Kyrie? Are we going to make this a championship team? Because to be quite honest, roster is currently constructed. I'm sorry, Chaz. It's not a championship team. I would agree. That is one reason why you don't sign it. And you hold the Lakers feet to the fire. And you say, basically, basically what I'm saying that Kyrie and KD should end up doing in Brooklyn. Let's grind out this year together. Let's see what we can do. And let's reassess our options next summer. And just try to give it a go. And I think that's, I could see LeBron doing that. Why do you sign it? It's simple. Security. You know your body has broken down a little bit the last few years. I don't know if any other team could offer you $48.5 million on the, you know, per year on the open market. So, yeah, you get more money. But at this point, it's not about money for LeBron James. It's about, are we in a position to win a championship? So, I agree. I think the happy median would be one plus one play out this year. Give us one more year and then we'll, we'll go from there. But at the same point in time, that's favoring the Lakers that gives them the leverage that doesn't give LeBron James the leverage. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does Thursday, but to be quite honest with you, Chaz, I won't be shocked either way. You can make good arguments for reasons why to sign it, why not to sign it. We've seen LeBron play this game before. We saw him do it in Miami. We saw him do it in his second stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hell, I think we even saw it at the end of his first stint with Cleveland. So this is, this is put up or shut up at this point. Get me what I want, and I'll stick around. Otherwise, you take your chances. Maybe I'll sign. Maybe I won't. That's up to me. I now hold the leverage. The Lakers have never been in a spot where they have to worry about LeBron James's contract until this moment. Every year in Cleveland, after he went back for a second stint, he was always there with a one-year deal with another option. So he can be have that flexibility from year to year, which is the same flexibility that Rob Palenka has wanted to have with the Laker franchise ever since he became GM or president of basketball operations for the Lakers. That's why Le- Palenka doesn't want to take back money that has multiple years on it. That's sure. why there's certain deals like Joe Harris that he wants to stay away from also for injury, injury uh, possibilities. But as this well. is the price Le- of winning now with LeBron. That's the price you pay, unfortunately. And what the Lakers are trying to do, they're trying to do this dance where we're holding on to assets, but we're still trying to show LeBron and Anthony Davis that we are all in on winning a championship. It is a very slippery slope, and I don't envy Palenka or Genie's position whatsoever because I know it's tough. 
No, I mean, but at the end of the day, you you have to take care of your stars. You have a reputation already, right? You got you took care of Magic as much as you could. Jerry busted. Uh, Kobe was taken care of as much as possible. Obviously, with that two year deal yeah. uh, that he signed million. at the end of his career, uh, LeBron James is going to be taken care of in the same fashion. You got to think, LeBron but it's not about James. The money is, though, it's not about the it's, money. It's about the situation. But go ahead. No, yeah, he's he's going he's going to make his max regardless of, of where he, you know, where he goes, he's going to get $97 million um, over the next two years guaranteed if he signs a two-year max regard. And that's the same as anywhere he goes. It doesn't have to just be with the Lakers. He could go anywhere else and sign for that same amount, but his roots are in LA. His businesses are thriving. His agency is thriving. Spring Hill entertainment is thriving with another notch in their belt and Netflix and money coming out the wazoo. The, the shop is is doing numbers. Um, the Laker franchise, he's won a championship already in the time he's been in L.A. His sons are thriving and playing high-level AAU basketball out of the state of California. The, I mean, I, I know his daughter's dance teacher, Candace, who, you know, they have a great relationship. Look with. at LeBron you. Is, Look at you, Le- Jazz. Le- 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 LeBron is embedded within the city of L.A. And he's in Southern California, yeah. And so I think California, so to think that he's going anywhere, I'm not worried at all. Me seeing him being in the Lakers facility with his sons, the week of him being eligible for that extension is, is great. Now, here's the thing. Let me answer my question really quick. The question that I, I posed to you, well, I want to ask you as well. Do you think that, that he is going to use leverage to get a Kyrie deal done? I don't. I think he's going to sign an extension either way on a one plus one, whether the Lakers get Kyrie or not, because he's playing at a high level, he wants to stay and he doesn't want to put the Lakers in that position. Like he did with Dan Gilbert. The reason why he did that with Dan Gilbert was because Dan Dan Gilbert did not have any leg to stand on, especially after writing that letter when LeBron left in 2010 to the Miami heat. We all know about the infamous letter. If you don't Google a 2010 letter that Dan Gilbert opened openly wrote to LeBron and the debt had been and the debt had already been repaid because it wasn't about Dan Gilbert. It was about coming back to Cleveland, exactly giving those fans a championship. Yes. I I get what, what, what you're saying on that. Not to mention there's another element to this thing that you didn't bring up the Bronny situation. And the fact that he does, he would like the opportunity to play with his son, a la Ken Griffey senior playing with Ken Griffey jr. Um, which would be an amazing moment because I don't think we've ever seen anything like that at the NBA level where a father and son actually played in the league at the same time and, and uh, played actually on the same team. So if you were to sign this two-year deal on top of the year that he is already under contract for the 23 season, essentially, assuming how far, you know, when Bronny declares for the draft and whatnot, it would line up between the end of that extension to him being a free agent and then Bronny entering the league. But now we're talking about LeBron being in year 22. So we don't, we don't know where a, we don't know where he would be playing Two, We don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to play. And three, we don't know where Bronny will end up actually landing. That's the situation. And there's a major caveat that how it would have to happen in order for that to line up. Adam Silver would have to change the age limit from 19 down to 18 to allow Bronny to even possibly even get in the league. That's a pretty big step. And we're, I, it's just like this foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. 
I mean, no, I, I just I, I listed I a bunch of reasons why it may not happen because never mind about Bronny and the age limit, because by the way, on the next CBA, aren't they going to raise the age limit to 20 or two years in college or something? No, they're talking about lowering it, but it's just not a it's not set in stone. It hasn't been done yet. Adam Silver, like with his state of the union address that he gives every year around the finals, he's stated that they're looking at when they were looking at, you know, changing the take foul, right? He talked about that. They, it, they didn't actually implement it or vote on it and change it with the competition committee until after the season during free agency, but it was something he was looking at. Same thing with the age limit. He's talking about lowering that down, um, but there's a lot of concern, especially with having the G League now and, you know, players being able to get paid six-figure salaries, kind of like, uh, Sharif O'Neal, that Shaq's son, who's going to be playing for the G League Ignite for, I believe, over a six-figure salary. Um, okay, they're so worried. Maybe- about, they're worried about different things. So we don't know if Bronny's actually going to be in the league, but it's a possibility, and it's something that LeBron obviously wants to. You know, you you got to keep stuff open for that in case. You got to be able to be able to be prepared and position position yourself in a way that if that's something you want, it can be had but I don't think that that's taking precedent up over the fact that he wants that fifth championship. Kobe has five. Magic, Magic has, has five. five. Yeah. Jordan has six. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kareem has six. Steph has four. Shaq mm-hmm. has four. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he, you imagine, I know hold on, he, hold on. You imagine, LeBron, I know he wanted to get the five. If LeBron were to win a championship, and they ask him, what does this fifth championship mean to you? And he says, just means I got one more. I got staff. one more. Than yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, you could yeah. take that to the bank. That would it's be like, the ultimate slap to Steph, but also the ultimate tribute to Kobe Bryant. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I and just. you could take that to the bank, Chaz. It, I, and, <laughs> I, and call me crazy, but I think that if the Lakers are able to pull off a trade for Kyrie Irving, that's what's going to give them the chance to win the championship. But I don't I, but, think they can't win the championship as presently constructed. We all know that, but there's can, many moves that can still be made for that to be possible. Can I ask you a quick question on that? So we, we, I had heard now, I don't know how true all the sourcing is. I read a tweet saying that KD was going to meet with Joe Sy because the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, because all of these trade talks have now come to a screeching halt. Everything is at a stalemate right now. We've really seen no other talks in the last week. I mean, no rumors, nothing on any side. Now, could the Lakers sell LeBron on the extension? Because it's like, hey, they're not talking to us now. We're willing to re-engage on Kyrie, but now they don't want to re-engage on Kyrie, meaning Sean Marks and the uh, Nets front office, because they still don't know what they're going to do in KD. Will LeBron buy that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my theory is that LeBron James is not, he doesn't need to leverage Rob Palenka. And the, they've already leveraged the hell out of this franchise already as is with your influx of clutch clients that are that's playing that's on point. the damn team. Like how much more leverage do you need over a franchise to get what you want? You've gotten everything you wanted from AD to KCP to getting Kuz paid to getting Kuz and KCP traded for Rust. To I mean, you got everything, man. You don't need any more leverage. He's going to sign an extension. The Lakers are going to give up. I don't know if it's going to be two picks for Kyrie or two picks for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner and whoever else. And taking back that salary. Yeah. 
they're going to give up two picks at some point prior to September 25th, which is a presumable training camp opening date. I'm I'm on the same train as Jovan Buha of The Athletic, who was on our podcast last week. If you didn't listen to that podcast, I highly recommend going back. Um, that was a hell a of a pod. Thank you guys that have been listening. But I'm with him on this. I think the Lakers are going to give up those two picks, and I don't think that LeBron is going to hold the Lakers hostage or exercise some kind of leverage that he already doesn't have. It It's all going to work out in the end. And if the Lakers do go in a training camp without a big trade being done, I'll be shocked because they know that on year 20, you got to maximize everything you can, especially when you got LeBron playing the way that he is. It's not like he's playing like Kobe was in 2015-2016 in his last couple seasons where he was hurt majority of the time. LeBron has been hurt. He's missed some games. He played just as he played three more games than KD did last year. And he played great in the games that he did play. But AD wasn't out there, and Russ obviously was a liability. So we'll see uh, how this next season goes. Oh man. But Chris. Chaz, I got I got breaking news right now that oh, yeah. Um Vince Oh Scully, no, man. Vince Scully has passed away. Oh my gosh, on the air. I understand we are a basketball podcast, but, uh, and what was so funny was we were about to do a tribute to those we, we lost in the entertainment world coming up. And now we have Vin Scully, the legendary voice sitters hall of famer has passed away at the age of 94. Let's discuss it on the other side of the break. You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn, even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. Giving it your all. Even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? (laughs) Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow all our podcasts on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, we are on iHeartRadio, and we are also on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. And you can also follow us on nightcastmedia.com, N-I-T-E-C-A-S-C media.com. Go to the Shows tab and click on the Outlet Forum. Right before we went to break, I had received some breaking news in the world of baseball. Uh, this was obviously a very tough week with losses. Chaz and I just discussed the loss of Bill Russell at the age of 88. I, we were also going to discuss the losses of actor uh, Paul Sorvino, best known for his role as Paul Cicero in, in Goodfellas. Michelle Nichols, who died at the age of 89. She was the first African-American actress to appear on a major television series in, in Star Trek. And Tony Dow, who played Wally Cleaver in Leave it to Beaver. He was America's older brother. 
and also a Laker fan, but uh, perhaps this one coming in on, on this night, on Tuesday night, as we're recording this podcast, the death of Vin Scully. Uh, Vin was 94. He was an, uh, I mean, just an all-time great announcer. I can't even really describe it. Uh, you know, Chaz and I obviously born and raised here in Southern California and LA. We're both big Dodger fans as well. And Vin was, I mean, he was the voice of, of uh, he was the sounds of summer. He was truly a, a special individual and, oh man, so many memories with him. Uh, people remember the 88 call of Kurt Gibson's home run in game one of the world series off Dennis Eckersley. Uh, but it was, it was anytime. It was a random game at home in the middle of summer against Pittsburgh pirates where you felt he was talking to you. He was a voice of Dodger fans. He was a voice of Los Angeles. He was a voice of baseball. No matter the sport, people always talk about Vin Scully with a certain level of, of, of revenance. And, you know, obviously he had retired now that I believe this was his seventh season away from the team, six or seventh season. He retired at the end of the 2016 season. His wife had passed away a few years back. He's succeeded by his children and his grandchildren and probably great-grandchildren. This is just a, a horrible loss uh, for the sports world. Uh, whether you're a basketball fan, baseball fan, football fan, everyone knew and loved and respected Vince Scully and the impact he had on the sports world. And, you know, Chaz, it truly is uh, the end of an era. You know, it's just been too many legends that have passed uh, this year. And, you know, I, I wanted... The reason why I got into the sports media business, podcasting, writing, I wanted to be like Chick Hearn and Vince Scully. You know, I, these were two men. Yeah, man. I, I respected. I loved to hear. There was a sense of familiarity. They made the games fun. They made it exciting. You learned something. You felt good when you listened to them. And I said to myself, this is something to reach for. And it just, it just doesn't feel right that to say, even at the great age of 94, I mean, you talk about a hell of a life. It just doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm sorry, Chaz. Go ahead. No, you're, yeah, you're good, man. Um, you got a picture, man. You got a picture with the man. Um, that was your avatar. That was your main picture on Twitter. I never got to meet him, but um, my, my grandmother would speak about Vin Scully and I would listen to games with her. And that's how, that's how I developed the love of baseball with my dad. And man, this is a, this is a heavy ass show, man. To, to start off with Bill Russell and while we're recording this, we, we find out about Vin Scully, but at least he got to see this last championship. At least he got to see that. And just like Bill Russell, the legacy that Vin Scully will carry in that broadcast booth, um, not only for the Dodgers franchise, but for all of baseball and for any sportscaster at all, his legacy is definitely going to continue to live on. He, he needs a statue. He needs a, he needs a banner. He needs everything. I mean, he already has a microphone at, at, at Dodger stadium and, and he's been honored and he's been one of the greatest Dodgers or people really. Of course, I never met the man, but I mean, you hear stories of the man that he was and how he started when, you know, when he was only what, 23, 24 years old. Um, when, he took over for, and, when he took over for red barber or joined red barber when they were still in Brooklyn, yeah, he was still in Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, you know, this guy called games at Ebbets field and in Brooklyn. So, 
um, to go from that all the way to Dodger Stadium and for Dodger Stadium to be around for 60 years and him living through from the time that Dodger Stadium was built until now in in their 60th season um, at Dodger Stadium. Um, man, we lost a great, a great one in Vince Kelly and um, may his legacy continue to, to, to live on. The Dodgers are going for the 70th win as we speak. Um, I believe they'll get it against the hated rival Giants, but this this is a, this is definitely a somber evening when speaking about Vince Gully and what he meant and the and the stories he told and the way that he described the game. The way that the reason why I know baseball the way that I do is because of the way that he explained it, you know, and and told stories and and anecdotes and you know, I, I not just me but kids of our me and Chris our, our entire generation. And people that came before us and speak about my grandmother very glowingly because she's the one that introduced me to a lot of L.A. sports like the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Rams, even before they even le- before they left L.A. and then came back. It's just this city has a deep, rich history. And Vin Scully is along with Chick Hearn. Yeah. And Chick's been gone for a little bit of time now. But Vin Scully and Chick Hearn. What can you say about him, man? He so, um he started broadcasting and yes, he started broad. What well said by the way, Chaz. Uh, he started broadcasting after the 1953 season when Red Barber uh, left to join the New York Yankees, and uh, he I believe was the voice of the Dodgers for 60. I want to say it was for 65 years. Uh, it was over 60 years. I know that. But you talked about when I met him. I met him at a golf tournament in May of 2012. And I just remember when I, he was hosting a golf tournament that my dad was working security for. It was a LAPD hosted event. And he was the host. Uh, he was the host of it. He was a celebrity host. And he came back on his golf cart and uh, back to the central tee and uh, people were coming up, getting him pictures and trying to get autographs signed. And I was there and I I managed to get his uh, autograph and I was taking a video of him and he was signing a baseball and somebody wanted him to say, hey, Vin, look up. We want to take a picture of you. He said, oh, I'm sorry. And somebody said, hey, he's trying to sign your baseball. He's just like, yeah, the nuns want to make sure I I write the name properly and just kind of laugh (laughs) out of everyone. I mean, but there was an aura around him. He made you feel warm. He made you feel good. He was just such a classy, genuinely kind, warm-hearted individual. And even in that brief moment that probably spanned 10, 15 minutes that I got to sit with them, take a picture with them, get an autograph from him. It was really, it was inspirational. It just made you feel good. It made you feel good. And that was w- one of the more memorable things in my life. Another great story I want to tell about Vin that I wasn't directly involved in. Do you remember when the Kings, the LA Kings won their uh, Stanley Cup championship in 2012? No doubt. Yeah. So Bob Miller, another legendary LA broadcaster was on the Mason and Ireland show on 710 ESPN. And all of a sudden they, they were like, Hey guys, sorry to interrupt. We have a special guest caller coming in because Bob was getting interviewed by, by Mason in Ireland. And he's just like, hi, Bob. Hi, John. Hi, Steve. This is Vin Scully. And uh, Bob, I just wanted to say congratulations on the Kings winning the Stanley cup. I'm sure, you know, it's a long time coming. I know how many years you were there as a broadcaster. And he says, one of my favorite memories and one of my fa- one of the treasures that I have is a framed photo of you, me, and Chick Hearn together uh, holding, they, they were holding up the, uh, the Fox Sports Net microphones and they were all showing off their rings and Bob didn't have a ring. 
and he was showing off his wedding <laughs> ring and it was it was a cool moment between two men who were really close friends in, in Bob and, and Vin and it was just I mean it's stories like that Chaz it just it made you feel good like even hearing that I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe this is going down right now you know two legendary broadcasters good friends and uh man i um i'm i'm just glad he got to see this last championship and there's this picture of him wearing the world series ring man I, we got to get that on a shirt immediately yeah immediately yeah. with that with that being said we you guys can hear in my voice that you know this is happening you know literally in the last 10 minutes as, as we've been recording this but uh, i'll move on to a bit of other news obviously not as important as the passing of bill russell or vin scully but Going to try and segue, but Russell Westbrook, guys, Russell Westbrook is still a Laker. He is no longer with Dad Wasserman. He has signed with a new agency of Excel Sports with Jeff Schwartz, and Russ is back and has an agent. And this is good news because Russell Westbrook uh, was not going to get traded, in my opinion, without having an agent. So uh, as it turns out, it looks like Russell Westbrook may or may not want to be with the Lakers. Um, I think he is. he's played his final game in a Laker uniform. And it appears that obviously he was on the, you know, not on the same page with his previous agent, Thad Wasserman. And Jeff Schwartz has a reputation of plenty of big buyouts. He was the agent of Darren Williams when Darren Williams, you know, got bought out. He was also uh, the agent of LaMarcus Aldridge when he got bought out. Um, plenty of different players that um, Jeff Schwartz was able to help with the buyout market. And you got to think, like, do you think that Russell Westbrook could get traded? And if so, which team do you have him being traded to? And do you have him being bought out as well, Chris? Well, <clears throat> on that note, yeah. Um, yeah, Jeff Schwartz, he currently represents a lot of high-profile NBA players, Chris Middleton, Brandon Ingram. Kevin Love, Jamal Murray, CJ McCollum, and Nikola Jokic. And the reason why that's significant is Jokic just signed the richest contract in NBA 264. history. 264. 264. Yeah, over five years, I believe. So uh, if this is definitely a man who knows how to get people paid because Jamal Murray got a massive contract before he went off in the bubble. Chris Middleton got a huge contract at a time where there was still some doubt whether or not the Bucs should move on from him. So he knows how to get guys paid. Um, that, that's not the issue here. I think the issue is, can you help me get out of LA and help me extend my career? I believe Russell Westbrook, wherever he ends up more than likely, he is going to get bought out depending on what he's willing to surrender. Now, Houston worked out a deal with John wall, excuse me, where he basically only left what, maybe 6 million on the table. And he's still going to get got that 6 million back from the Clippers. Exactly. And he's still going to get 41 million from the Rockets this year, dead money on the book. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Westbrook, just because of how much his value has taken a hit, if he's going to be able to only, you know, get rid of, uh, or, or still make 90 cents on the dollar or 95 cents on the dollar. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, but this is something I think in order to get the next phase of his career in line, you definitely need some good representation right there. I think Indiana makes the most sense to be quite honest. It's obvious Brooklyn does not want Russell Westbrook. I don't think they're interested in buying out Russell Westbrook, only a smaller market team. Like we said, with the Rockets, with wall would be willing to take on Russ's contract and basically saying, okay, 
let's buy you out. You don't want to be here. We don't want you here. So maybe if you're an unrestricted free agent, a team might be willing to take a flyer on you because I still believe that is the hit. That is the sticking post of why teams don't want to take a chance on Russell Westbrook. We could talk all day about lack of sacrifice, his personality, his ego, his pride, whatever the case may be, but it's the number that's attached to all of that, that really scares teams off. So until that is kind of off the books, then I think, uh, you know, it's going to be up to Schwartz to try to see if him and the Lakers could come up with something as well as the team that's going to be receiving him and seeing what they could work out as far as not trying to eat too much salary, because we know Russ is never going to have a payday like this again. So there is that aspect. So there's a lot going on there, but uh, definitely he's in good hands with Jeff Schwartz. That's that much. I do know. I, I think that the team, I mean, you're hearing so many different rumors Maybe the Lakers getting back Julius Randle. If the Knicks are able to pull off a trade for Donovan Mitchell, maybe Utah um, could take Russell Westbrook back. It seems like the Lakers are going to have to attach at least a first round pick and even some second round picks if they want a first round pick being top 10 protected to get off the Russell Westbrook deal. The team that I think that he's going to, that's going to eventually cave is going to be San Antonio. San Antonio is the team that I think is going to take Russ back, buy him out, and Russ will be able to go wherever it is he wants at that time. But San Antonio, to me, there's no – they have the most cap space. They obviously don't want to help out the Lakers, but they're clearly in a, weird, a rebuild. A first-round pick and two seconds is going to go a long way for them, along with the cap space um, that they're going to get by bringing in Westbrook and then being able to, you know, get him off as well. So I think ultimately he has played his last game as a Laker. Uh, We talked about it last week and we talked about it weeks before because of that exit interview, you cannot bring Russell Westbrook back um, for the simple reason that he threw the entire organization under the bus, including LeBron and AD. There's going to be a lot of fences that need to be mended. And Darvin Ham is coming in as a first year head coach under the most pressure and even and even Um, his narrative has changed a little bit it seems like now we're better off with lebron james having the ball in his hands a lot so what does that say i mean maybe he sort of alluded to that with talking about the different roles he wants russ to occupy but if you notice he was talking specifically about lebron so if the ball is in lebron's hands guess who doesn't have the ball Chaz? russ there you go so I think even he is now starting to realize from the organization, like you better pr- tone down the, the, the enthusiasm around Russ. Cause I can't guarantee that he's going to be here come training camp toward the end of September. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. It's just, it's just, it's a lot of different factors. It's a lot of different variables that come into play when it comes with Russell Westbrook. But I, I think the Lakers are going to have to give up, you know, some assets in order to, you know, get them off. But it's all about what you bring back as well. If they bring back some kind of players, because they can bring back, I believe, up to 120% of his salary. So, I mean, you can bring back, I think, $59 million worth of players, yeah. you know. Um, so that that means if and you're always- going to include him in their deal with Kyrie Irving, that's why Joe Harris is being discussed, Seth Curry. Sure. Um, even Royce O'Neal possibly, um, if that deal goes down. 
And that's what I always thought was a selling point. It's like, yeah, it's 47 million, but it's one year. You're getting rid of multiple years of money that could hinder you either in a rebuild or, you know, against luxury tax or whatever the case may be. So I always thought that was a selling point. That's why I was like, if the Lakers, and even Yovan alluded to this last week, Chaz, if the Lakers were to take on, let's just use Indiana as an example. They take on Heald's contract, Miles Turner's contract, and let's say they take on another contract let, like TJ McConnell, who I think would be a good rotational piece on a contending caliber team and kind of, at least in the Lakers case, kind of take the baton and what was left behind by Alex Caruso. He's not Alex Caruso, I get it, but he could be Caruso-esque. So if you take on three of those salaries for one salary, why should you have to give up all of these additional picks? Because that's one year of 47 million, not multiple years of 25 to 30 million. You understand what I'm saying? I always thought that was a, a bit of a selling point. Right, no, exactly. Because there's a lot more benefit with the expiring deal, rarely do you have this large of an expiring deal come across your table. It's actually the first time it's ever happened because Russell Westbrook signed the first Supermax deal, and this is the first or final year of that Supermax deal that was first handed out in 2016. Um, well, actually, I think maybe Stephen Curry signed the first one, but he never made it to his last year of his deal because he just re-upped with the uh, Golden right. State Warriors. It, it might have been Russ, actually. It might have been I don't Russ. know if it was Russ. I don't know if it was Russ or Steph, but yeah, I mean, if this is the, if this is the final year of it, Russ signed his in 2017 after mm -hmm. KD left. Right. Maybe Russ was the first and, right. but either, either way, uh, Steph never got to the last year of his super max. He's actually on his second super max currently that he signed. So, um, Hey man, I, I wish Russell Westbrook, nothing but the best, even if he's a Laker or if he's not, I'm still going to be a fan of the Brody and, Dope ass chain that he copped over the weekend as well. That says the Brody on it. Can't <laughs> wait to see him rock that uh, during his press conference interviews and everything like that. But um, I think he's eventually going to end up in San Antonio uh, some way, somehow San Antonio Spurs will get some assets from the Lakers. They'll buy him out and he'll be able to play wherever he wants, man. And uh, that's the part. That's when it gets real interesting because then how much is Russ worth on the open market and who's willing to take him, and what contender is it? Cause you know, he's not going to play for just some bad team like no. Orlando or Charlotte or anything, but, like but he's that. not a role player. That's the problem. It's like, we're going to bring him in and to do what he can't defend. He can't really shoot. He needs the ball in his hand. So what role can he fit? If we have, let's say Denver, we have Jamal Murray healthy and we got all these other ball handling guy, you know, a guy like Jokic or, uh, you know, Ish Smith and all these other guys who can handle the rock. What role can Russell Westbrook play? That's going to be the issue there. Right. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, we'll see how it, we'll see how it checks out, but in Jeff Schwartz, we trust get it done. Mr. Schwartz, help <laughs> out Laker nation, help out your client, Russell Westbrook and help yourself out as well. Schwartz. Uh, with get, getting your client move. Uh, Man, it's been it's been a tough week and a hell of a show, but we got to close out, of course, with our social media posts of the week. Chris, I'm gonna get right to it. There's a lot of funny stuff, um, and we need a little bit of funny right now. We could use a laugh. What is your social media post of the week, my man? Well, this comes from Anthony F. Irwin at Anthony Irwin L.A. I believe he's a contributor to uh, Silver Screen and Roll with Harrison Fagan. 
Another Got deadline passed. So obviously this week we had the MLB trade deadline. So he's alluding to that. I just want to give a little bit of a background. Another deadline pass and Russell Westbrook remains a Laker. <laughs> Still to this Still. day. And, and I joked on that. I said, I guess the Yankees weren't interested on taking on that salary either. No, they <laughs> of course, of course they weren't. Um, what was yours, my friend? Man, I got I got so I got so many different options. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with this one. I'm gonna go with because it is MLB trade deadline day, and I know normally do social media posts that are basketball related, but this one was pretty good. Um, this one comes from at Jim Russell SD. Um, it's AJ. It says AJ Preller after trading for Juan Soto and trading away Eric Hosmer in the same day, hashtag Padres. And it's a video of Sean Puffy Combs, AKA Diddy in a Von Dutch shirt back in the day, throwing his phone and being all fired up about the deals that he's making on the phone and just saying, come on, give me more. What else can you take? <laughs> Classic video. Shout out. I'm, I'm not a Padres fan, but Boy, am I impressed with what AJ Preller was able to do uh, with getting Josh Hader and Juan Soto on back-to-back -back days prior to the deadline. Still not going to result in the ring because the Dodgers are going to win that at the end of the day. But shout out yeah. to AJ Preller and make and Jim Russell SD for making the social media post of the week. With that being said, guys, I know it's been a lot, and but this is why we love sports. I'll let you close it out, but I, let me just say this: this is why we love sports. The highs of the highs of winning championships and the lows of the lows of losing and then also losing the loved ones and the and the people and the icons that created so many memories for us. Whether you be a 12-time All-Star and 11-time NBA champion in Bill Russell or an absolute icon and L.A. and Dodger legend in Vin Scully, this is why we love the games and the sports that we have played and grew up watching and continue to contribute to as generations move on. Chris, I'll let you have the last word. Uh, so two things I wanted to say, first of all, to Bill Russell, to Vin Scully, to Tony Dow, to Paul Sorvino and to Nichelle Nichols. I think the best way to describe them icons, trailblazing icons, entertainment icons, sports icons, people that we looked up to, respected, revered. You know, quick story about Nichelle Nichols. Martin Luther King saw her, Martin Luther King Jr. saw her at a party and called her over and said, you know, Star Trek is the only show we, me and Coretta allow our kids to stay up late to watch. And you're one of the reasons. And she thought about leaving the show during a time. And he said, don't leave the show. You are an inspiration to... African-Americans and women, you are a model. You are a role model. You are somebody to be respected and looked up to. So please keep doing what you're doing. So it just goes to show you that a lot of these people got looked up to for different reasons, but they brought a lot of joy in our lives, whether it was just decompressing, watching a game, watching a show. So I just wanted to point that out, that all five of them that we referenced tonight uh, definitely did that. And last but not least, one of my favorite calls from Vin Scully. Of course, I got to go with the Gibson Homer. High fly ball deep to right. She is gone.
In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. And then, of course, who could forget the Buckner game? There's a little number up along first behind the bag. It gets past Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets have won it. Hey, man, you got those calls absolutely down, man. My tribute to Vince Scully. May he rest in peace. Thoughts and prayers to all of the families and loved ones who, who lost these tremendous people. And, Chaz, thanks for doing this pod with me. And no doubt, no doubt. Som- som- somber moments, guys. You guys know where to follow me on Instagram at Chaz Pearson on Twitter at Chaz P. Chris, they know where to follow you. I'll get us out of here on this note. We'll see you guys in- next week, and thank you for listening to the Outlet Forum. Peace. Mm-hmm.